Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV. Amy Double D is joining us this week to talk about her Tesla Model 3 hack. She's got the implant to be able to open the doors and start what? the engine and everything else. We've been hearing about it in the news, but we're going to learn what goes on and how she came up with that hack and learn a little bit more about Amy herself and, uh, and all the things that she's up to that maybe aren't getting the same media attention as the Tesla hack because she's just touched on so many different things with that one. Uh, we've got a great show planned for you, folks. Stick around. Recordings are trusted only to solid-state drives by Kingston Technology. Revive your computer with improved performance and reliability over traditional hard drives with Kingston SSDs. Category 5 TV streams live with Telestream Wirecast and Nimble Streamer. Tune in every week on Roku, Kodi, and other HLS video players. For local showtimes, visit Category5.tv. Category5.tv is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Cat5.tv slash TPN and the International Association of Internet Broadcasters. Cat5.tv slash IAIB. Welcome to the show, everybody. It's episode number 627 of Category 5 Technology TV. So great to have you here. Before we jump into it, I want to remind you, make sure that you subscribe to us on YouTube and click on that little bell. That's going to make sure that you get the notifications whenever we are live or when we post brand new shiny videos. Um, so make sure you subscribe. Now, you know her as the girl who hacked the Tesla keycard, so uh, all she has to do is wave her hand and it'll open the door or start the engine. And she's a world-famous cosplayer and maker, and uh, she uses the blood of her enemies to 3D print gems. Oh, that's <laughs> cool. More on that later. But she also uh, she funds STEM education for young girls. Uh, and she teaches robotics for kids and adults alike. Uh, her name is Amy Danielle Dansby, better known as Amy Double D for short. Amy, welcome to the show. Thanks. I can say howdy, y'all. <laughs> Since I am from Texas. Yes, <laughs> it makes sense now. Now, the whole world knows you, Amy, as, as a maker uh, and a cosplayer. But what really makes you tick and who is Amy Double D? Yeah, the fun thing. So I guess... My actual name is Amy Daniel Dansby, so my initials are ADD. Thank you, mom and dad, um, for that. And that's kind of like I always just used my actual name. Um, my actual daywalker job is a software developer. Uh, I started pretty much in games. Um, used to work at Marvel Studios. I actually worked on the first Captain America game. I worked on the first Thor game. I actually worked on some of the calculations for for that i'm sorry that you, like you my... froze up right there you you worked on oh. the calculations for oh perfect it was like marvel they're coming in and they're like oh don't talk about it this, <laughs> <laughs> this is embargoed um so i worked on some of the calculations for thor's cape for um, oh, cool. some of the polygons and for the rendering yeah because at the time um things like ragdoll physics was very computationally expensive mm. so super proud of that um yeah so my actual college degree I would say is in uh, is game simulation programming. So actually, that's 
what I still do. Very cool. Now, Amy, like in, in August, your uh, Tesla hack, we've all heard about it. It just blew up in the media and it's instant fame for you. How has that been as far as like dealing with that sudden onslaught of media and uh, people visiting your website and giving their two cents about what they think about uh, all the cool things that you're doing? Yeah. Yeah. So I've actually worked on this like Tesla hack for like a year. Yeah. And um, I was at DEF CON when it actually went viral and DEF CON is just a hacking conference in Vegas. And I was eating and my brother uh, sent me a text. He's like, you're on the front page of TechCrunch. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, what the heck? Like I said, it wasn't like a weekend whim project. I've been working on this for a year. I've been documenting all my stuff on Hackaday and like a tech diary. And right. um, I think as I showed blood, I actually like showed like the gory process mm -hmm. and the media just picked it up and went viral. Um, I think of as far as like the Internet fame, I've always kind of had that uh, people find you naturally, whether it's through like the STEM education, the cosplay, the making community, yeah. uh, programming or tech conferences. And those people are always like they find you on the Internet. You follow each other. It's like a mutual respect but this is a completely different thing i have people you know giving opinions they don't know me they don't know anything about me judging yeah. based on my appearance um that's definitely a hard thing to handle like i think the video in china had like 20 million views <laughs> i'm like thank goodness i can't read those comments oh dear um, so some of the com comments have obviously been nasty yeah, yeah oh yeah a lot of uh religious backlash yeah which is interesting so um, and, and can i ask now and we're going to talk more about the tesla hack in a little bit our viewers have already heard about it but um were you expecting a religious backlash um when you when you got into this project um yeah so i have another chip implant so i've mm -hmm. definitely You've experienced been there. that before so yeah. it was not something new to me yeah. i just some of the arguments are <laughs> i wouldn't not invalid but it just doesn't like what is the reason for the hate and the backlash for that yeah. um i pretty much just my friends like just don't read the comments um sure but in the beginning i was trying to reply to everyone that was asking a legitimate tech question yeah. about like um you know what is rfid or what happens when you have to cut off your arm and change the battery mm -hmm. and i'm like well that's not how you know this type of technology works <laughs> so i was tr i was legit like legitimately trying to reply to everyone yeah but and yeah, then it I blew up. I mean, targeted at my personal appearance or probably like the ones that I don't know. And also the guy that installed it for me. Yeah. Um, oh, has he been dealing he, with backlash too? It would be if people were saying, you know, like they're like, oh, she has green hair and tattoos. She obviously doesn't make um, like she doesn't plan for the future. But I'm like, but I over plan. I like yeah. over engineer everything. Like. <laughs> sure. So, so how do you deal with that stress? I mean, personally, uh, I, I, we know that that wasn't your motivation to, to raise hell, right? Like you're an innovator, you create and you, um, you take things to the next level. That's, that's what you're all about. Um, how do you deal with the, this sudden backlash with sudden like extreme fame so sure you know well known up until a point and then august drops and everybody in the world is talking about amy double d so has an opinion yeah and and, and that opinion so there's so so much opinion like even if 50 percent of it is hate opinion how do you personally internalize that and deal with that hmm. 
Yeah, so I think it's like kind of, it's still a hard thing because I'm like, all right, I'm still like a human being. And yeah, let's remember that, folks. All, it, yeah, I mean, I may have some upgraded parts, but like, <laughs> that's, it, it's still, and it's weird because you have 50 good, good things people say, and then yeah. that one bad one, it's like, why does that like mentally like affect you because you feel you need to prove yourself yeah so i tried to just i'm like all right i'm going to focus on only the ones that are positive or ones that are not making like uh pointing at like my appearance or anything but try to give my opinion because that's one thing people don't understand is like they think the chip thing is super weird but rfid technology is not a new thing it's been around a really long time um but same for like you you wear glasses so to me, glasses are some type of body modification. You weren't born with it, but they improve your life, sure. right? So sweet, but somebody's like, all right, that's not permanent. So I'm like, well, what if you get LASIK? So yeah. what, now you're gonna burn your eyeballs with a laser? <laughs> and yeah. that like makes it more, but that's like acceptable yeah. by now standards. So, and, and you're trying to grab at analogies and, uh, that that can uh, try to make people understand i mean what it boils down to like d- you don't have to go there amy like you're you're doing something awesome and you're doing some incredible things and this is that's up to you what you do with your own body so um but you got to know that but share, yeah but sharing that's like the thing i think i'm trying i was like because my friend's like well, okay why did you do this like what was yeah. the point of accomplishing that Right. Because obviously you have no idea when something goes viral, like, you know, people are going to ask you philosophical, like, life questions. But at the same time, I want people to share. I don't want people to be, like, discouraged when you, like, work on projects because, like, everyone, no one knows what they're doing in the beginning. Like, Mm -hmm. you like to think you do, but you don't. So if you stop sharing what you're doing, then, like, you know, we'll never be on Mars or whatever the, the future holds. Sure. Waiting yeah. for my, be able to beam me up. That'll be my yeah my future. So so let's uh, let's look at what you actually do. So so stepping back from like the the negative side of the fame that you've received, and stepping back <laughs> from having to justify your decisions as a maker, and and let's look at some of the things that that you know like like I want to know. Uh, one of my questions right at the top was what makes Amy tick and, and I and I'm wondering like where when did you realize as a as a person that you were going to use your creativity to inspire other uh, young people and just makers in general yeah and so I think that's something I've kind of come to realize probably over my somewhat adult life I feel like um, <laughs> I personally do not feel I'm a creative person Um, And I know people say that, but I'm like, yes, but the only reason I'm creative is because of technology, right? So to me, I think of like artistic and creative are people that can draw a straight line without the use of a computer. And that is not me. So anything that I've like, I make, whether it's from coding or programming to 3D printing, any of that stuff is heavily driven on some type of technology or computer or math. Um, sure, but what's what's to say that the creative that you're defining, their paintbrush isn't the tool that they're using, right? So yeah, it's just a different. But see, I think of it as like I'm an obsessive person, right? Okay. So I have those ob- obsessive like tendencies, but like not as like knocking myself as like I'm not a creative is a bad thing. Mm. Like 
um, if you were to like give me a ball of clay and be like, all right, I need you to mold something like for some reason that doesn't translate to me. But if you put it in front of a computer, <laughs> um, I can put in parameters. And yep. to me, that translates is all right, I can put in these two parameters and, you know, it turns into a box or does whatever you want to set as some type of variable. Yeah. Um, so then I guess the question evolves into like, when did you realize that technology could be used as an outlet for uh, whether I'm maybe using some, some 3d printing or at work, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I used to work in uh, R and D. So we did a lot of uh, manufacturing for the, the Xbox and the consoles. And we had like industrial $250,000, you know, us dollar printers oh wow um, oh so you're yeah. stepping it so up like Cana- so boom. canadian that's a little yeah that's like uh, a billion dollars <laughs> a yeah. um and you know we we just use them for prototyping and parts and stuff sure. like that and i don't think it ever clicked in my mind until um like we were playing around and we like printed this like little sword in there yeah. and um the the printers are um a laser base so they come out of a powder so literally when you're pulling it out of like this sword out of there when it's done and the powder just releases it's like oh like this <laughs> sort of like it's it was such an eye-opening moment and i don't know why i never thought of like 3d printing or additive manufacturing in that way yeah um i think that was like my ultimate gateway like drug for that it's like holy crap like this could be used for so much more. Yeah. I mean, they, they use it for so much more, but like this, I'm like, this is how you actually make like a, a little round, like sphere and object. And yeah. What a, what a world when the technology can do that. So thinking of the technology piece and, and realizing that that's kind of your first foray into being a maker. Uh, what, technologies have you seen since that time amy that have really driven your passion or gotten you excited about the future of maker whether it be electronics or maker creations or even cosplay yeah i think uh i mean besides just saying the internet in general the accessibility to you know like microcontrollers the accessibility to like open source hardware um you know, because it used to be that there were patents on a lot of these like 3D printers and a lot of these technologies. So as these patents have expired, like 3D printers are affordable. You can buy a 3D printer, like a entry level basic one for like two or $300 on like Amazon these days. And um, that accessibility, and then if you don't know anything about 3D printing, there's even a community for um, models, like, you know, little things that you can actually print. So. These are things people can have in their home. Sure. Uh, yeah, I think about so I like the open nature of like Thingiverse, for example, and the the yeah, way so that yeah, that's exactly what I'm referring yeah, to. Yeah, so, so you're you're able to create something and share it with a community of other makers. It's yeah, awesome. and, and I think about it this way. So I, um, there's a project for this school um, in Africa, and they don't have access to um, computers or all of like really any type of um, internet, anything that has to have an internet-based connection. But they had a 3D printer. So they were able to download models um, from Thingiverse or somewhere like that. So um, worked with like this group of girls and they designed these little purses that they could 3D print. So then they were able to um, like send the file to this school in Africa for these girls and Mm -hmm. they were able to put it on, you know, the SD card and print it on their printer. So they don't have access to like a lot of, you know, the materials and stuff to make these purses, but the accessibility of like 
being able to create something from nothing and share that, yeah. that that's pretty cool. <laughs> Too cool. Now, you've kind of evolved your uh, your creations to include cosplay, and when you've done that, I've, I've seen some of your work, and it's incredible. You've you've taken whether it be three D printing or maker electronics and and different circuit boards and things, and you've adapted those into your cosplay creations. So, like, how, how did how did you evolve into that? And and. How did that evolve? Yeah, like okay. getting into so, electronics as well and then uh, open sourcing some of the stuff. And it's just mind-blowing. I think, like, the community of, like, the Internet, too, also. But um, so I will say probably, like, most people in the world, we all have our daywalker job, right? Mm -hmm. And you probably work at uh, for some big corporation and you're not sharing your code. You're not talking about your work. You're not... You work in a restaurant, they're probably not sharing your recipes. It, you know, you kind of live in this like little, this little bubble during the day. Yeah. So when I would come home at night, um, when I started to like work on some of these like, you know, little projects for 3D printing or electronics, I could share that because that wasn't part of my, my day walker job. Um, and then next thing you know, you just post something on a open source, like, like Hackster or Hackaday, some, some form somewhere, mm -hmm. and um, you get general feedback or somebody makes your design or your model. And um, I think the fandom, I think I feel my, I'm very influenced by what I read or watch yeah. at the moment. So fandoms are some weird way that connects people. And um, so like the Star Trek Discovery, like my friend and I, we both are huge Star Trek Discovery fans, mm -hmm. even though it's kind of like a fa fairly new show. But um, I don't know. I, I know we talked about this briefly, like you and I in our emails back and forth. But like um, when we made these ears, the inside of the ears of this disco material. And yeah, then I, saw I even. That. Yeah. So, but my friend's like, all right, they can't just be like Star Trek disco ears. <laughs> so then I just made this design and I laser cut all of them individually. So they're the Star Trek Delta Insignia symbols. So, I mean, I completely over-engineered the <laughs> out of that thing. I mean, a lot of things. But, um, and then I even designed um, the circuit boards themselves because I needed kind of a small footprint to be able to fit on the inside. Mm -hmm. And uh, just used some pre-programmed LEDs. But I provided all of that. Actually, I have them right here somewhere. Do you? Yeah. Oh, look at that. Cool. <sighs> but, yeah, they're like... And, and yeah. just goes to and show how, just, like, your electronics have been designed specifically to fit into the cosplay. Yep. Yeah. So, and really, you know, there's access to Raspberry Pi and a lot of these other microcontrollers, but the Raspberry Pi is way overkill for just lighting up some LEDs. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I can fabricate, you know, that my actual cost of that is like 20 cents and that includes the components Unreal. so i like to design some of these like circuit boards i've even been doing some of the stuff with the flexible pcbs because then you can you know you're not quite as limited you can't do a complete like um bend because you can't have like the copper touch on each side but okay yeah yeah that's it's, cool it's it's endless yeah i don't know that's probably like a complete rambling of how i got to here but it's inspiring though, and even for me as a as a wannabe maker, like I've I've on the show done some soldering, I've done some work to to try to like fix components or yeah, even right. create my own circuitry. So seeing how far you've been able to take it, Amy, has been uh, inspiring for for someone like myself as well, who's just kind of getting started. Hardware up. is frustrating compared to software, I will say, because yeah. it's just like 
it doesn't turn on. Why does it take, <laughs> I can't step through and debug it. It's not. Um, but I will say one really good thing about the cosplay aspect of that mm-hmm. is um, that makes me finish a project. So mm. I always say I have like Deadlines. a box and like what like why you know you always get frustrated you get to a point where you stop. So um, I found a really good support around. I have a few other friends that are actually uh, female programmers as well, and they we do the cosplay thing. So it's very we're very encouraging. So when we go to like a cause like a comic-con or something like that like we have to be finished by this date and whether you think your work sucks or not um and it's really interesting because i find that you don't ever have the conversations with people about what went right Mm. the conversations and the problem solving about what went wrong (laughs) is like that's what you know somebody's like oh it's perfect what what like what was the hardest part and somebody's like Oh, nothing. And I'm like, you are a liar. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it was easy breezy. Yeah, I've been doing this for years. Listen, Amy, you you spoke about a a fair bit about the 3D printing that you've done. Um, I just want to really quickly touch on it. What on earth is the blood of your enemies? Ah, so um, if you know anything about 3D printing, so there's uh, FDM printers, which um, it actually kind of looks like have around here somewhere Probably like the like filament that. Wait, is that what we're thinking yeah but some people don't know oh, okay i randomly just you know have some because it's my life um so it'll actually take it up and it heats it up through a nozzle yeah um so i love the i just love that you have just random filament just hanging around your desk like just reach yeah, over here oh yeah here's some filament story of my life <laughs> yeah. everywhere but um there's a filament company that's uh local they're uh based out of um they're in Washington, I guess. I don't know if they want me to say. They're in Portland, but it's called Protopasta. And I uh, actually went up there and um, worked on making my own filament color. Hmm. Um, and something I use in cosplay a lot is, like, uh, gems. So I've always tried to find, like, a ruby red, like, translucent color. So literally through this entire fabrication process of um, formulating the colors, um, machining all of the the filament, it literally looks like pasta. So like, that's kind of like, uh, they call it, it's like the endless possibilities. Yeah. And we got to name our colors. I felt <laughs> like it was like naming a fingernail polish color or something. But um, they're like, what do you want to call it? And I'm like, I don't know. So I was like, the blood of my enemies. And it's just funny that it's just evolved into this it's the right color worked out yeah no it was it was perfect um (laughs) it kind of looks beyond the spool runner somewhere but i mean they're that company alone so like when they did the color they're like all right well what do you like what do you want to do what do you want to give back as far as like the community for 3d printing Mm -hmm. um so they did it they're actually donate 10 percent to this scholarship program i created for girls in stem and not just my color, but there were two other girls that we all formulated colors when we were um, up in at their workshop. Oh, yeah. And um, they're donating percentage to all of it just to push back for like the STEM education. That's awesome. Um, it's yeah, the, the community between like, and I've talked about community a million times, but it's very, it's very true. Like if you have a very supporting community, like that's the difference between sharing your work and not sharing your work. Mm. So... 
I'd like to post a link below um, for that filament company so that, Amy, we can, we can perhaps support that uh, scholarship program as well indirectly. Print through. all the things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, real quick before we take a break, Amy, are there any projects that come to mind that are just absolutely obscure that nobody's ever seen or heard of that you've done that you're really, that you loved doing? I know that's a loaded question. Yeah, that I love doing. I think the Star Trek ear one was definitely like a niche thing. Yeah. That's not something like if you just walked by, you you would not know. You would have to literally like look at the detail of the ears. And I know that seems like minuscule, but it's just the details I like to put into stuff like that, that mm -hmm. not just the fandom of someone they would see, they'd just be like, all right, you're doing this thing from Star Trek Disco. Oh, that's funny. Your ears light up. Wait, are those like actually the like right. the Star Trek Delta symbols? Wait, holy crap! Are those like PCBs shaped like the Delta symbol? And you, may I don't know. I just the, I don't know. That's that's the one thing come to mind because that's just yeah. I just recently got back from Dragon Con, <laughs> which is one of the things I did. So even though we've all we've seen that one, I mean the labor of love and the intense amount of detail that you put into that. Um, that's really, really Fingers cool. Fingers hurt. Yeah. I don't think what else? <laughs> no doubt. God, there, I have so many. Like, sometimes I don't feel that I'm, like, ever, not, like, proud, but it's, like, if somebody ever looked at the inside and you just see it's, like, it's, like, oh, in my mind, it's going to be all, like, organized, and then you open yeah. up, it's, like, a big spaghetti mess yeah. <laughs> uh, for, like, your electronics yeah. because it's funny, like, I call it the con crunch. So it's literally, uh, you're, like, everything works and then the day you get there like nothing works yeah. just shove it in there and uh -huh. um i wouldn't say dig like all dignity of like how pretty it was on the outside you're just like i just want it to work but man do i have anything I'm trying to think what i've actually kept um oh so i did a i don't even think i gave you a picture but uh, i did a battle snow white armor so oh, I actually yeah. went with a few other friends and we did these self-rescuing princess um, armor. And actually the, the breastplate, I actually 3D printed that on fabric. Um, wow. And so because uh, I will say like anything that is a curve is a engineering predicament. Mm -hmm. So um, trying to make things for like breastplate armor when stuff doesn't bend is always kind of like a challenge I think mm -hmm. so 3d printing stuff on fabric actually like um yeah actually that was I'm pretty proud of that one I'm trying to like look around I'm like what else is in my <laughs> we'd rambling? love we'd love to see it now are there pictures that we can find on your website amydd.com yeah, yeah they're on there under yeah. under yeah. Links are below, ADD folks. Things. Links are below yeah, to uh, to Amy's website. Amy, we've got to take a really quick break. We are speaking with Amy Double D. Um, she is a maker, and when we return, uh, we're going to be talking with her about that Tesla hack. We all want to know a little bit more about what went into it, and she's got some words for uh, young girls in STEM as well. Stick around. Welcome back, everybody. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Have you ever lost your keys, Henry? I think I just did. Why? Oh, no. Where are my car keys? Sasha, you been there, done I that? I have been have there. Have you been there, that. done that? Well, we're speaking with Amy Double D, and she is the maker who has done the Tesla hack so that she will never lose her car keys again. 
Amy, thanks for joining us this week. Good to see you. Now, can you tell us a little bit about that Tesla hack? I mean, I know uh, most of us are already familiar with what you have accomplished, uh, but what was the process like? You mentioned it took about a year to to do, but um, getting through like from first idea to actually having the implant done, uh, what was that process like for you? So um, I have a RFID uh, chip implant in my other hand already. Um, That is just a it just holds 888 bytes of data. You can read and write to it. It has a unique identifier. And um, it came around the time that, I guess, two or three years ago, um, I had already budgeted that was my year to get a new car. So um, I looked at like the factors and the price. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go for it. I'm just going to go ahead and pre-order this Tesla like <laughs> day one. Like It's only a $1,000 deposit. I spent money on worse things or Lego sets or whatever. But that um, I had heard that they were going to use uh, you could use your phone to access the car or mm. um, instead of giving someone a key it's a, a valet key and it's very similar to like a hotel room key so there's no identifier in the car just when you go check in a hotel they take the card they scan it you know then it, it like identifies it with your room so right. I'm like hmm I'm like I'm pretty sure that technology is the same as like the chip I currently have I'm like, I wonder if I'll be able to write that chip to my current like implant in my hand mm. and be able to start my car. So there were none of the cars were out yet, right? I had to wait two years to get it. So um, and none of the other uh, Teslas had the valet key. Right. Um, so the Model S doesn't have that. Um, so sorry, Model S owners. <laughs> um, only the Model Three. Um, so it's kind of like a like a thing. I'm like, I can't actually test it until I get it. Um, and then when I did get my car and got the valet key, uh, I I scanned them just see what public information you could get from like an RFID scanner. Um, quite a bit actually, but uh, it runs on a Java applet, um, and which the- means it runs on the secure on the server side. Oh. So that is why you can't rip off that information and write it to like a mfair tag. Um, an mfair tag is just like basic access control. Okay. Um, you know, like for your home, let you in and out. Um, yeah, they're not, they're not too secure. So that's what really made um, this secure. And it runs um, ST Micro and from a semiconductor in Germany. They're the only, not the only company, but they've been around quite a while. And super interesting, random thing. If you ever played Lego Dimensions, Lego Dimensions is this game and the little characters... Um, it's a physical character and you plug it into a gamepad like on your Xbox or something. Oh, so yeah, when yeah. you actually touch the Lego controller, it shows up on the game and screen. But that communication is RFID. And I thought I was going to be sneaky and be able to rip that data off there too. But um, they actually make the same like semiconductor as like the security oh. for... Yeah, just super random. I'm like, Tesla is powered by Lego. I knew it. <laughs> so their so, their RFID chip was significantly more secure than the traditional RFID. Is that what I get gleaned yes, from that? Yes, because it runs um, a Java applet, which runs on wow. the secure on the server side. So my car is the, the server. That is like the authentication saying... Mm-hmm. So think of it this way. You use your credit card and they have the chip, right? Yeah. You're putting the card in the machine and it's saying, yes, I am present and I authorize you to th- for this transaction. Mm-hmm. It's a, like a two-way authentication. Mm-hmm. So 
So is it near field power? Like what powers the technology? Yeah, so that, that's what's actually really interesting. So the on the Tesla itself, on to open the car, on the side of the car is actually a um, an RFID reader. Yeah. So you can tap it once to the side of the car. It will unlock your car. I love um, now. Just then, I love that you're already saying tap it once, like you're using yeah, the gesture, I, like you're me, used to. It, for the normal it's folks, like it's a, like this. Yeah. So what's another thing that's like super interesting is um, everyone asks like so the antenna on it is massive and massive. It's the size of a Lego minifigure. Wow. That's my banana to scale measurement. <laughs> um, and it needs that whopping antenna because of the chip. Like to, mm. it just, cause that's something I think that's kind of miscommunicated about how RFID works. Like there's no battery in me. Like you don't have to charge me or the chip. The right. way that this uh, radio frequency or this new near field communication works is um, the power in the battery and everything is in the car and that reader. So when I get close to it and it's, it's that radio frequency is what's like giving me the access. Okay. I think that kind of makes sense. Would, um, would like a bulky sweater or anything get in the way? Like, is yes, there, yes. okay. So, so you oh. have to live um, in this. So that was like a few things that was like with my test, that was like a challenge because there's two RFID readers in the car. Um, one is on the outside of the car to get in. And then there's another one that it's right behind the cup holders on the center console. Um, and the and the antenna and the arm like that was very specific too. So, in your arm, you mean? Ju- but just in general, like this would be like a really bad example. But I'm gonna okay. use a piece of paper. Okay. So, um, do I have that? Okay. So the Tesla Valley key card is like this, the size of a credit card. Yeah. And the chip is in the corner, and it runs around this tiny little copper piece. Is the antenna? And it runs around the perimeter of the card. So when I first dissolved, so the way I got the chip out is I dissolved them in acetone. Um, so cool. Uh, like chemical grade acetone. I dropped my cell phone in there too. Oh, no. um, <laughs> yeah, that was not fun. But oh. um, I cut the first antenna and I'm like, what the heck? This chip's not working now because it worked before when I scanned it. Um, then oh. I realized I'm like, oh, that little copper thing's important. Yeah. So um, the cards are relatively inexpensive. They're around five US dollars. So I kept buying more, mm-hmm. felt real guilty, kind of felt like it's like going to the hardware store, be like, I need some bleach, some duct tape, some bags. I just felt like I was going to get in trouble. And some like, industrial yeah. grade acetone. I know. I just felt really like guilty. Keep, I'm like, are they going to ask like, why am I buying yeah. these like more Tesla cards? <laughs> I never did. Um, yeah. So uh, when I dissolved it and I grabbed the, the antenna, so like say the antenna is flat like this, mm-hmm. um, I was like, oh, I'll just bend it so right. even bending it at like this like a 90 degree that's a terrible 90 degrees but um that bend actually like is enough to in, like mess up like the uh i guess the frequency of the strength so mm. i had troubles with that so like that's why you couldn't really put put the antenna like in your wrist because if you bend it then it actually like interrupts and doesn't oh, work wow. with the antenna huh. so um and actually the the range so I, I saw a lot of people were like oh it only gets like a 10 millimeter range and i'm like yeah but it only got like a 25 millimeter range when it was with the car right so now my skin is in the way because mm-hmm. you only have to tap it once and as soon as you authenticate um 
like your card once you don't have to like keep your arm on the console oh, okay the time you're driving. oh good so yeah that's helpful yeah, that, that was, <laughs> yeah. yeah like people people had lots of opinions about that i'm like as someone who actually owns a tesla that is not true like that's not how it works um trying to think what makes else. sense makes sense so actually when i was measuring the when i was trying to measure the frequency of the the rfid on this inner side of the console um yeah. that was kind of a because here's the thing like some they could always go in and adjust like the frequency of like that type of like rfid right so they yeah. could come and be like all right we're gonna increase it or we're gonna decrease it mm -hmm. um so i tried to make my own like rfid uh antenna like some extenders like ones you can see you can put like a sticker on it and then just like extend it outside of the window oh okay. i tried things with like uh, i was measuring like some of the baud rates because their chip runs on a 13.56 i think for the megahertz for the for the frequency mm -hmm. so i try to take like a bunch of so think of it this way you're like everyone's like oh my cell phone works but then you get into like a concert, a sports game, and then there's like a thousand other people around you and you'd be like, well, now why does my phone not work? It's because there's so many devices on the same frequency mm -hmm. in that same little area. Mm -hmm. um, so I took a bunch of other devices that I knew ran on the same frequency and I would like put them around the center console. Um, I kind of felt like I was doing a seance. Oh. <laughs> so, because I was just trying to see what, like what information or kind of like how this thing was working. I tried to get in through the car as well. Um, so you basically, you literally had to hack the Tesla and the key card in order to figure out how it worked to yeah, know like that this was going to work. Yeah. For you. I, I really like, you know, I have another RFID implant in this hand, right? But yeah. it's not, I've never had to like make an antenna like that. Mm. Um, so that was super interesting. So the guy that I bought my original chip for my hand from, um, he has a webpage called Dangerous Things, which is very true. <laughs> but he has another uh, company he's been trying to start. It's called VivoKey. And it's like a like an all-in-one chip where you, know, you can run your data, so your security, your uh, public transport, your banking, kind of the, oh. guess the real Mark of the Beast chip. But, <laughs> I but, said we um, weren't going to go there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I, I can understand, like, at least put it all on one card. I mean, I have how many bank cards and how many credit cards yeah. that, like, are not so, at all connected. That yeah. would be awesome. So that's the Vivo key chip. And okay. the, so he's the one that actually encased um, my chip in the biopolymer for me. Okay. Because um, you don't want to put straight copper in your body, right? <laughs> that's probably not a good idea. So, um I will be long gone in dust before the biopolymer ever gives out. Yeah. Um, I would be more likely to damage it probably just from, you know, whacking it too hard or hitting it. Um, yeah. Sasha, you have a question? I have a question from the chat room and then I have okay. a question from my own brain. Yeah. But, so here's a question from Solbu. Um, has Tesla been in contact in any way and what are their views? So I hmm. love the beach this time of year. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I have. A, oh, and that's 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 all yeah, she can say. I have a question myself. Say. Okay, so you know how you hear that sometimes, like you press unlock on your car and you can unlock other cars, right? Mm. Is it, like. Oh, if it's the same frequency or. Have you tried unlocking <laughs> other cars? Yeah. 
Yeah, they're going to be like, what is that person? Oh, it's so funny because Teslas have built-in sensory for the, the cameras so they can record. So right, like, what yeah. What is this person doing? Randomly yeah. touching my um, car with her arm. <laughs> no, I haven't tried that. I wonder. But I think um, some of the reasons, like, I've heard that from, like, uh, like Honda because uh, mm-hmm. they only have so many of the same keys. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, no, I haven't tried that. <laughs> it would be interesting. She's an, also, ethic- she's an ethical hacker, like, Sasha. Okay, so say there's a, lot, okay, so say there's a lot of Teslas in a parking lot and you forget where you park. I mean, you could hold, like, you could find your car <laughs> by, well, you know. Oh <laughs> yeah, nice. no, no, that's kind of the interesting thing. And that's kind of what, like, sparked my interest because when I got the, the Tesla Valley cards that come with your car... I'm like looking and I'm like, it's just a black card that says Tesla and then a little picture on the back for like Ikea instructions. This is how you use it. (laughs) But um, there's because I was thinking, I'm like, what happens if you're going somewhere and you valet park your car and there's 50 other Teslas and everyone gives them the same key? Mm -hmm. How do they know which one goes to which? Um, So that's like it's not like the car that we can push the button and hear the horn beep. Do you yeah, not yeah. quite the same, beep, right? Beep, beep. You have like 50 of the same like yeah. black card in there, and you're like, which one goes to which? <laughs> Do you yeah. have a spare key? Uh, spare? Yes, yeah. So that's another thing, too. Yeah, you, I, you oh. can have up to six keys paired okay. with it. So um, oh, wow. it's funny, and you can have your mobile, like, your mobile device still. So I still use my phone because, you know, you can like, you know, turn on your air, your heat before you get to your car. Um, oh, okay, What's cool. really funny is... Somebody pointed this out in like one of the the YouTube videos. So my phone, uh, you can have a phone name. I have an iPhone, and um, uh, my phone's name is Virus. So because I always think it's funny when people have AirDrop on and it's like public, so you just send them something. They're like, "Oh my god, a virus is sending me." Um, but my phone was like paired in one of the videos when I was originally like doing some like document stuff, and somebody's like, "Hey, your car has a virus." I'm like, what are they talking about? And then sure enough, you could see like in the background that one of the other keys that was paired was the name of my phone, which was virus. I'm like, oh, that's funny. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There was a question. um, You were talking about the polymer that you had to have this enrobed in Mm -hmm. uh, before it was inserted. Um, At underscore underscore giant underscore wanted to know uh, if you've had any problems or concerns over rejection or if you have to manage that with medication or like how does that work for you? Yeah, somebody did ask me if I had to take anti-rejection meds. It's it's not an organ transplant, right? So yeah. it's um, it's like but it's a, a foreign body. Theory. I mean, it's something in your in your arm that could be rejected, right? So you must yeah, but take it's precautions. Not underneath the muscle, or it's not in an oh. organ. Um, it's literally under, um, like in the dermis layer under the skin. So it would be okay. like getting um, a dermal piercing. It's um, the only way I can think of. That it. makes total sense. Like, yeah. I, don't, I, I mean, I don't like I have my ears pierced, but like you know, like the people that even have like this part pierced. Mm-hmm. Or, um, yeah, I guess it's a little bit deeper than that, but it's, um, yeah, no, I haven't had, I will say one, one thing was, um, it's right where I like put my arms for like where my keyboard is. Yep. So that's like kind of a, you feel that bump there. So that's like something that's like, can you feel it? And I'm like, it's kind of like a mental part. Like I know it's there, but like, yeah, yeah, no, I don't. I don't wake up in the middle of the night and I'm like, I feel you. Like it's not, <laughs> it's not like it's not disturbing my everyday routine. Okay. Um, yeah. 
Um, uh, so yeah. w- was it like, was it scary to, to have this done or to, you know, as you're approaching the actual surgery to have this inserted, uh, w- were you scared? Oh, yeah. Cause like I tried every way pretty much. I was trying to get in through the car, through the computer way. And kind of when I realized that the way it was running as far as like the, on the Java applet on the secure server side, yeah. um, I roped in my friend Amel at Dangerous Things. I'm like, all right, we're going to, I'm like, we're just going to encase it in biopolymer and um, I'm going to, I'm just going to do it. And I wanted to go with a doctor because I was thinking, I'm like, if other people want to do this um, and they're in the Dallas area where I live, I want other people to be able to go to a doctor. And then the discussion came, um, my friend that does video, I'm like, all right, well, I want to document this. And then the doctor's like, all right, well, I don't want to be recorded, right? Because that's like, hmm. And which is fine. That's a medical license. I totally respect that. Yeah. Um, and then it happened again. And then it happened again. So finally, uh, you know, just talked to Amel and he's like, just have a body modification person do this because body modification people are da- doing way more intensive things. They're completely like familiar with the process, um, the sanitary stuff. And it was... Yeah, I was super scared going in. I laughed because I'm like, he had like little candy things. And I'm like, did I get that candy? <laughs> and he's like, no, that's only if your bl- blood sugar is low. Yeah, no, I think I was, um, yeah, no, I was definitely scared. I don't know how to describe it, but yeah, it's like, why, why are you afraid of something that you're doing to yourself? Right? So it's because it's the fear of the unknown. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Ironically enough, I don't like physical pain. I know that seems iron like I have a bunch of tattoos, but yeah, I was really worried about. I'm like, oh my gosh, how bad is this going to hurt? Um, but it's the it's the strange things that you do when you really want something. <laughs> well, you, you've like, you've achieved it, and it works, right? Like how yes. how how is it as far as functionality goes for you at this point? Because yeah. you, you've healed so the up. First two days, it didn't work, and. Um, so this is another thing, like, as soon as it went viral, it was super weird because I was at, um, and I actually s- had pre-ordered, let me start at the beginning really quick. We should say the video okay. went viral. Yeah. Oh, the video. <laughs> I went viral. Yeah, that's, context is important. It is, this, yeah. Uh, this situation. <laughs> so I had, um, I actually got my Tesla in 2018, the day after I got back from DEF CON. So I had started working on that project then. So when I went to DEF CON this year in 2019, I was like, all right, I want to finish this project. And, you know, this is like a year long thing. It's also bittersweet because I started it at DEF CON and I'm kind of like completing Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I posted that video, had no idea like what was going on. And uh, then people were like, oh, she didn't show it working. And I'm like, I'm at like defcon it's been two days people and um yeah so the thing is if you ever had surgery stitches if you've been to the dentist anything like that your body and your skin is inflamed there's fluid around stuff uh it's swollen so the read range i mean it was i'm sure i can find a picture and send it to you but i mean it was a a a nice big lump on there so it didn't Mm -hmm. work like the first day and I was yeah. like, okay, I'm scared. <laughs> and then the second day it didn't work. And I'm like, okay, now I'm scared. And then the third day, um, I have a few other like, uh, Proxmart readers and RFIDs that I use for my computer and I was testing yeah. and it read on that. And I'm ah. like, okay, so I know that the chip is not damaged. Yeah. Um, 
it's still just swollen because the read range on the Tesla is a little bit different. Um, I also had to play around with like the angle of the antenna for my arm. Oh, okay. Um, so like some people were like, why did you do this on the outside of the car? Right. Cause and I'm that hip. was specifically because of the antenna angle. Oh, okay. Um, so you found yeah, no, ways it, that it, work the best as far as positioning goes. You fi- found ways that work the best for you. Yeah, that's like something that you have to like just figure out because that's the thing when you're doing something new. Like, same with hey, my it's phone. Awesome. It's not on Google, but <laughs> yeah. also like, hey, I need help, and there's no answers on Google. Yeah, and, yeah. First, uh, yeah. to get into the car. <laughs> I have a question, actually. Yeah. All right. Like it's talking yeah. about the attendant and everything, so it can send and receive signals. Do you have any trouble at the airport? Because you're always going to cons, mm. everything mm. else. Like, do you yeah. have any trouble with that kind of thing? Yeah, that'd be no. a concern, like, right? Stores or anything? So, or? No. So like, um, the metal like in a tooth filling or your glasses that has more metal than the amount of metal that are in the the chips that I have. Mm-hmm. Though I will say, when I got my first chip implant. I was super nervous because I had read there weren't any problems going through airport security, but still I was like, all right, I'm going to print out like the data sheet for this, Mm -hmm. like the parts and stuff. If I have any problems, I go through and then I can like explain. But the problem about going through airport security when you're trying to explain things, uh, usually in electronics, you get a, a bill of materials list and the bill of materials list abbreviation is a bomb. So going to airport security and having like a list that says bomb list is probably not a good idea. So, Oh boy. The things we don't necessarily think of. Um, Now, Amy had actually recorded uh, videos and the actual process of the creation of the uh, Tesla hack. So you can go to amydd.com to actually follow along with that series. And I'd encourage you to do so, uh, especially if you're just interested in learning the process that she's gone through. Uh, Visit her website to be able to follow along with that. Um, Amy, um, moving along. There uh, there will be blood, though. Oh, yes. Yeah, just like yeah, go like this. Or... Were, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Now, how are you using your superpowers at this point to help young girls uh, in STEM? We talked a little bit about that at the top of the show. Yeah, so that's been something like um, STEM education is, for people that don't know, the science, technology, engineering, mathematics, and now kind of, you know, the arts as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess this is the third year. So three years ago... Um, I started this scholarship program for girls in STEM um, through the National Video Game Museum here in Dallas. And um, I completely funded that myself. It's not very much money, but I put enough in there for five years um, in the hopes that it would kind of grow. Um, This museum is founded by three people and uh, their families. So that was something, it's like this weird, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe that. Um, when I was going to college, I was pretty much the only girl in all of my programming classes. I had mm. one other girl in uh, one of my mathematics classes, but I think she was doing more of like a simulation probability. So I used to specifically go out of my way, make sure I'd be like, all right, I'm not going to wear makeup because I want to be taken seriously. Um, you kind of feel you live this almost like this double life and not even on purpose. And I think when I got a little bit older, I realized I'm like, man, this is exhausting. You need to either be this all in one, like just go for it. Um, or just keep, you know, don't do it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's really interesting. Cause I was like, all right, 
if I'm going to help start this scholarship program with the museum, I, I was like, first off, I don't want people to think I'm like rich or have lots of money because that was like not the case. Um, and I was like, I even don't feel it's very much money, right? But price of education and stuff like that is so expensive these days. Any bit helps. <laughs> but my idea is like I had scholarships when I was going to school. And uh, I remember someone saying, you know, pay it back, pay it forward. Um, and every bit helps. And so I would like the scholarship to grow like more than the five years that I put into it. And, you know, the filament they've donated for the, my filament color, like that, that little bit, like, and then I actually met the girl last year that won the scholarship at the award. And, um, it was really, really interesting because to me, I'm like, all right, it's not very much money, but she was like, I have so many little scholarships. And she's like, I would not be able to go to school without this. Mm. And she was, and she was a little shy at first, but then we just started talking about, she was working on some like uh, algorithm stuff for some stuff in C++. And she was just talking about what she was doing. And the general excitement was like me to a T like, but you don't have that other, that, I guess that peer communication or that encouragement. Mm. I mean, also I'm like, all right now there's the internet and you can share your stuff. But sure. Yeah. I guess if I can make a little bit of a difference, I still feel cheesy sometimes. So, cause I remember like when I, my dad is an accountant and, uh, I remember when I was like, all right, I want to major in programming and computer science. Okay. So I like made an Excel spreadsheet of like what I could do with a computer science degree. And, um, because that was his language, he under understood like the accounting and the numbers. And he's like, I spoke his language. He's like, okay. He's like, you can, you can like, I know it, I don't even feel that I'm not that old, but I'm like computer science was still kind of a new thing when I was like going to school. Right. Um, <laughs> and he's like, he completely supported me, but it's, you know, it's still very much a male dominated industry. Um, yeah, true enough. Mm -hmm. Still, still to this day, but yeah, how do you keep like the deterrent away from someone who's like, hey, I don't, I don't know if I, I'm comfortable like, it's like, hey, I like to like computers, I like programming, I like code, I like fashion, mm -hmm. um, I like the data science, but sometimes the cultural of being around either people that you feel know way more than you, or um, I hate to say it, just like majority of guys, because that's pretty much all I've worked with. Mm -hmm. Though I will say I've had good feedback. I've never had, uh, like when I was at Marvel, I still talked to my three bosses um, who are all like a super positive influence in my life. And I, I hate hearing stories when people say that I'm a rare exception, but um, yeah. So we can, so we can change that. We can change that. And through your scholarship program, I think, I think you're, you're helping yeah, to like, do that. If it'll, it'll grow. Like that's, that's the thing. And like, to me, it's, it's so weird. Cause I'm like, all right, at first, I didn't want my name attached to it because I'm like, oh, that's not why I'm doing that, right? Sure. I, I just want to give back in some way that uh, I can and, you know, help this museum because they've done a lot and they yeah. want to do the scholarship program and they, you know, they'll actually match, like, whatever I donate. Um, yeah, it's weird to think that, like, you could change someone's life because, yeah, so, so super random other really really quick yes i'm like squirrel mode but when i i went to australia to um teach a few workshops for um a museum there last summer and um i was going to adelaide so it's a 22-hour flight from dallas 
Um, my flight got canceled. I was at the airport for three days. And oh, no. it was a very, very long, exhausting thing. And then they got me on a flight from like Dallas to Melbourne. And then I had like a hopper plane, something like that. I was so exhausted. And then on my hour flight to Adelaide, it was like in the morning time. I sat next to the stranger and somehow this conversation came up. He's actually um, a, a PhD, I believe, electrical engineer. Mm-hmm. And he has a daughter that's, I want to say she's seven or eight. And discussion came up of how you could, how you can get young girls into, you know, just STEM education in general. Mm-hmm. Like that's, it's always a conversation. Um, and it was super weird. I was talking about this electronic board I have from uh, Adafruit. It's a circuit playground. You don't have to do any soldering. It's a really easy, use a circuit Python to code um, and some of the block code. And it's a very rewarding thing because you can make some stuff light up. You can make it move with like a motion control. Cool. And I happen to have one in my bag not on i have no idea why it was still in my bag and i'm like i'm like i have one so i just gave it to him Aww. and then um he's like oh and then they saw when he was at the airport that they were picking me up and he's like oh you're here for an event and i'm like yeah so actually when he went home with his daughter he showed her she was so excited they made a little fairy wand then came to the event and she showed me like what she <laughs> oh, made in too coding. Cool. That was like, I'm like, this is why I was meant to miss my flight for like yeah. three days. Um, Unreal how things work but, together, eh? Yeah. So like that's, but at the same time, like when I teach some of like the workshops and stuff for kids and adults, they'll say, Hey, why, why do I need to learn programming? Um, or some of the, like a lot, of, I taught a, for an hour of code for this girl's workshop. They're, mm-hmm. they're like, Oh, we like fashion and um, this. I'm like, so you know that like, I believe it's Pinterest that was formed on like, on data science, pretty much like this, you know, there's two girls that are programmers that liked fashion and that I'm like, you can like both. You can like all sure. the things. Um, so when I teach these workshops, sometimes I'll teach like a basic thing. Like this is, you know, you're soldering something. They're like, Oh, why do I have to do this? And then I'll apply it to all like 3d print, all these little swords. They'll solder a piece and they'll put it in and then be like, Oh, they have that same moment I have when they realize you're like, Oh, like something just clicks in your mind and you're like, oh, it's like how it's made. It's like this full connection. Yeah. I'm not saying you have to like join my my church of Elon Musk, as the the Internet has called me. Mm. But uh, it's that that general interest of finding something, because I don't know, like when people say, what do you like? How do you find something you're interested in? Like. That, that's not my problem. Like my problem is I need to give up something, but for a lot of people, they don't know what they like. So, um, I think the idea is maybe to say yes to doing more things like, you know, or going to more workshops or. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the, I mean, yeah. the Tesla hack is just like one facet of what you have done. Uh, and there's so much more to Amy Double D than than meets the eye, and and that the media is generally like reporting because this thing blew up. Like this is what people are hearing yeah. about. Um, yeah, and, and like, I know you and I talked about. It. I said mm-hmm. I've had a little, um, you know, so that I've learned hard lessons from the media as far as like it's only been a month, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like you know, my fr- I sent my friend a thing. I'm like. Why does this company want me to upload my video to their platform? 
Like I didn't understand right, yeah. that. And yeah. he's like, to oh, because they want to monetize <laughs> on your thing. I'm like, yeah. I'm not even monetizing on my thing. Yeah, no, so, subscribe to um, Amy Double D. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like they, I'm like, first off, that's not why I did it. Mm -hmm. It's kind of funny. It's like this game of, you play the game telephone where you tell one person one thing. It's like to the end when I read some article, my name's not even spelled right and some like facts are mis, you know, misled. But like a lot of the media stuff, you know, I, I'm not stupid. I'm pretty sure they probably picked up on, um, you know, I have green hair. I'm a female and Tesla. Those are like three hot topics right sure. now. Sure. So um, I fall in those little Venn diagram of niche markets. So, but some of them didn't even link like my, like my tech stuff that I've been working on. Sure. Um, and that kind of, that's what like, I think is probably like thrown me off kind of about some of the media stuff in general. And I'm like, this is not like a, hey, this is going to be real fun to do this weekend. Like, <laughs> there was a, a lot of time and research went into this. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's... Well, I think, our, like, our viewers are not going to judge you based on first impressions by the hair and the tattoos and, you know, sure, okay? So don't judge media by what what you've yeah, had to deal with. That, what I'm saying is my general... Yeah. So um, I will say, like... Um, the Verge. I had great experience with um, mm -hmm. Andrew from The Verge. So he he saw that it went um, like live there. I guess he sent me an email, and then he actually sent me a message on Twitter. He's like, "Hey, I saw you posted this. I wanted to ask you something, but I see you're at DefCon, so you're probably not checking your email." And mm -hmm. I'm like, "Ooh, I like you because you did your research <laughs> and you went and saw like you know you kind of saw like the scope of it." Yeah. yeah. And um, also super random. He was. Um, He's like in the expanse, um, like sci-fi community. So he was actually at Dragon Con. So we got to meet up when we were there. Oh, cool. So I'm like, that was a good experience. It's such a community, yeah, but, isn't it? So. Yeah. But yes, I won't say I won't judge all media, but yeah. Thank that's, you. Thank you. <laughs> that's why I said, like, when you and I talk back and forth, um, I felt I almost had to put like this skeptic wall when I start to just email people back and forth now because... Yeah. A lot of the time, they just like they wanted my video, and I'm like, sure. "All right, I'm just gonna keep it the content under me. That's not why I did it. Mm -hmm. I'm not making any money off of it." Um, but you, you should. You rightly should. I mean, go ahead and do that. Um, but you, the research you put into it and the questions you thought to ask me, those are all. I appreciate that, and I know that that's your time as well. Because I think if anything, you can give someone is your time. So, yeah, I Thanks, appreciate Amy. that. Amy, as kind of a final thought. In wrapping up our interview uh, this week, you you spoke about, I mean, with the Tesla hack, there was fear there. You were a little afraid to actually have this done, but you overcame that. And just using that as an analogy, not specifically that. We all face fear, and we all have a, a fear of failure. I think that the, as humans, we all just experience that, especially as we're just learning and growing up and figuring out where we want to be in life. Um, so what would you say to a young person who is currently facing that fear? Hmm. Yeah, failure is a normal thing, but... I think from failure comes iteration and iteration is either what makes you say, yes, I want to do this or no, I don't want to do this or holy crap, I learned something new. Um, so from all of this, I 
you know, I designed some of my own uh, RFID antennas. I did a lot of research on that. Um, and the first of them didn't work. And when I ordered some test ones for my PCB boards um, from China and I had to wait and I got it and I was so excited to open it and it didn't work, that, right, that's a failure. But you got to look at all the other things that I got there for that, that research. I put myself on the pedestal thinking it's going to work right the first time. <laughs> you know nothing of hardware then but i also know i don't want to make uh, those antennas full-time for the rest of my life but that failure process is an iteration right and i also find that that iterative process and stuff that you failed actually apply to other projects um without even meaning to or knowing and yeah it's like becomes this entire like cv of your life the universe and everything and yeah i don't know it's a complete it becomes you right so um and, no and man- also like i guess what you set your goals like what do you think like is going to fail you like what well, i know one thing i suck at is time so like if my goal is to finish this in an hour then i have failed but yeah you learn yourself when you you set goals for yourself and you I wouldn't say set failures, but it's not even expectations, but like, look at all this stuff that you've learned about yourself and then getting there. Yeah. I like what Noman says yes. in the, uh, in our chat and you probably see it on your screen. Sasha, you can read that. Fall down six times and get up seven. Fall down six times, get up seven. There you go. Keep getting up. Nine bugs in the code. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Syntax error. Missing semicolon. What? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, Amy, it has been a pleasure having you here. Thank you for all that you do, and yes. just be encouraged and and know that uh, you know the, there are those of us that uh, really uh, are watching with admiration and feeling inspired by uh, some of the things that you've been able to achieve. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. I appreciate it. And thanks for being here with us this week. You can find out all about Amy Double D's uh, exploits and all the things that she's up to on her website, amydoubled.com. And the links are below if you're watching this online. We've got to head over to the newsroom. Sasha, if you're ready for us. I sure am. Here are the stories we're covering this week in the Category5.tv newsroom. Chinese police have arrested a fugitive who'd been on the run for 17 years after they used drones to spot his cave hideout. The world's most freakishly advanced robot dog is now for sale. American entrepreneur Elon Musk has given an update on his Starship and Super Heavy rocket system. And an injured tortoise who lost its shell in a fire has become the world's first recipient of a 3D printed shell. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. This is the Category5.tv newsroom. Covering the week's top tech stories with a slight Linux bias. I'm Sasha Rickman, and here are the top stories for following this week. Chinese police have arrested a fugitive who had been on the run for 17 years after they used drones to spot his cave hideout. The 63-year-old had been jailed for human trafficking, but escaped from a prison camp in 2002. He had been living in a tiny cave cut off from human interaction for a number of years. Yongsheng police received clues about the man's whereabouts in early September. Those clues led them to the mountains behind his hometown in Yunnan province in southwest China. After regular searches failed to find anything, authorities sent additional drones to help 
the officers. The drones eventually spotted a blue-colored steel tile on a steep cliff as well as traces of household garbage nearby. Police then moved in on foot and found Song in a small cave where he'd been hiding. According to the police, the man had been living in seclusion for so long that it was difficult for him to communicate with the officers. State media said the man had used plastic bottles to get his drinking water from a river and branches of trees to make a fire. He has been sent back to jail. It's unreal that he's wow. disappeared for that long and then... 17 years found of by no. drones. It's, it's another use for drones. I was part of search and rescue efforts before with my drones for air support, and okay. we, uh, we we had to look for cows. You know, cows got out of their, they got uh, out of their fenced, and yeah. cows are expensive, you know, so they, they hired us, and we did Neat. find those cows. Very cool. Um, but yeah, no, it's just another great use for this technology. How well, long have when, drones been exactly, around for? Wh- yeah. he, this is not something he would have planned for in 2002. No, he'd nope. be right? like, what? What is this? What are those? <laughs> Aliens. Exactly. Oh, the, I, I say the poor guy, but I mean, he's yeah. an escaped convict. Yeah. Still, that must have been a world of confusion. Holy. Uh, would have been scary. <laughs> yeah. Having a whole bunch of police drones that noise? coming Very in on you. Yeah. If you think about that, if you've never seen such a technology, right. I, I, I don't know. Maybe he had. Maybe he was like sneaking into town and, and keeping up on the news. I don't know. I mean, and then when they say that they were problems communicating, I don't think his base communication skills would be a problem. But think about in 17 years how general language has changed. Yeah. Like, yeah. There is slang yeah. and everything else, right? It'd be very interesting to really get a lot more information about that interaction. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting indeed. Mm-hmm. The world's most freakishly advanced robot dog is now for sale. We've watched the spot robot quadruped grow up and evolve from its earlier, earliest days as a larger, more cumbersome beast to a carefully refined machine capable of pulling trucks. Now maker Boston Dynamics is putting the robo-dog robo on sale. The idea is not to provide a pet friend a friendly pet that curls up in front of the fire each evening though. Spot is designed for industrial use, whether that's carrying goods through a warehouse or inspecting a remote site that human operators would find difficult to get to. With that in mind, you can't just put down your cash and walk away with a spot. Instead, Boston Dynamics will lease the spot bot to companies with genuine uses for it. Prices vary and are on request, but think in the tens of thousands of U.S. dollars. A nimble robot that climbs stairs and traverses rough terrain with unprecedented ease, yet is small enough to use indoors, is the description on the Boston Dynamics sales page. Quote, Built to be a rugged and customizable platform, Spot autonomously accomplishes your industrial sensing and remote operation needs, end quote. For your money, you get a robot that can operate for 90 minutes between charges with a maximum speed of 1.6 meters per second, which is about 3.5 miles per hour. It can work in temperatures of between negative 20 degrees Celsius, which is negative... 4 degrees Fahrenheit and 45 degrees Celsius, which is 113 degrees Fahrenheit, and has a 360 degree camera vision that enables it to avoid obstacles. Spot can operate in the rain too and is able to carry payloads of up to 14 kilograms, which is nearly 31 pounds. Buyers can add bespoke sensors and hardware modules to Spot to adapt it for a variety of tasks. 
That is so cool. It has been neat to see Spot's evolution as a technology. (laughs) Now, I just want to take it back also to the last story. Could you imagine if they also use Spot? Drones and Spot to find the guy's Oh, goodness. Yeah, the dog climbing up the side of the mountain. Black Mirror. Like, it's just like these little dogs coming at you. What is this? I know. know. Like, even for, like, search and rescue, though, like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Like, if you can go in, like, a disaster zone or... That's what I'm thinking. Like, a volatile area, you Mm -hmm. could send these in to, to find with 360 degree vision right. to find like lost people or lost pets or whatever. Or they can help with Uber Eats. I that wonder. Would be I want my Tim Hortons. I want 13. <laughs> how many pounds is it? 30 pounds? You can hold 30 pounds of KFC? 31 pounds oh my of KFC. Goodness. Perfect. So because Boston Dynamics isn't selling them, they're leasing them, does that mean that they retain some of the rights to release the information of what they're used for? Because how fun would it be then to not, like, to see the adventures of Spot, right? <laughs> like, maybe Boston Dynamics all, like, has you sign a waiver saying you must share pictures or you must give hey, you know, there you Instagram. Or yeah. Instagram. I really like to know what Spot ends up used for. <laughs> yeah, There's so much potential there. Now we've got to take a quick break. The Crypto Report and more of this week's top tech news are coming up. Don't go anywhere. American entrepreneur Elon Musk has given an update on a Starship and Super Heavy rocket system. He plans to use the new vehicles to send people to the moon and Mars and also to move them swiftly around the Earth. The SpaceX CEO is in the process of building prototypes and plans to start flying them in the coming months. The MK-1 version of his Starship would begin high-altitude tests in the next one to two months, he said. The entrepreneur told an audience gathered at the company's Boca Chica, Texas facility where the prototype had been assembled, quote, this is the most inspiring thing I've ever seen. This thing is going to take off, fly to 65,000 feet, about 20 kilometers, and come back and land. That is a giant thing. It's really going to be pretty epic to see that thing take off and come back, end quote. The 50-meter tall Starship will eventually fly atop its booster, the Super Heavy, and both parts of the new rocket system, which together will stand 118 meters tall on the launch pad, are being designed to be fully reusable, making propulsive landings at the end of their mission. If, if, we, if we get to orbit in about six months, um, then, and, and we have a, remember, we, it's designed to be a reusable rocket, so a reusable booster, re, reusable ship, so we can, we can do many flights to prove out the reliability very quickly. So whereas with an expendable vehicle, you have to build, if you want to do 10 flights, let's say, to prove out the viability of an expendable vehicle, you need to build and destroy 10 vehicles. Um, whereas we can do 10 flights you know, it, within basically a 10 days. Um, so when I say rapid reusability, I mean, you know, you, you, you can fly it, you fly, you can fly the booster 20 times a day, you fly the ship three or four times a day. That's what I mean by reusability. And the only reason a ship it takes more time than that, it's more time than the booster, is that you need a couple of, of you, you need, you know, three or four orbits to synchronize for the ship so that it is uh, over, you know, like, 
I don't want to get into this complicated thing of orbital dynamics and the rotation of the Earth relative to satellite. But as, as anyone who's like uh, knows the uh, space, uh, you know, the track of a satellite, unless it's an equatorial satellite, is is a sinusoidal track uh, on on the Earth. It's unless it's equatorial or sun synchronous. So. Um, so, it, 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 you know, launching sort of due east, you have to kind of uh, wait for the orbits, to, the, 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 the ground path to sync up with the launch site. And that's the only reason it really takes, like, you know, maybe six hours or something like that to sync up and land back at Boca or the Cape. Um, you know, one of the really interesting, interesting things to, to contemplate is the total mass to orbit capability of a large reusable system where you have a significant fleet in operation. Um, the, you know, if, you have, if you've got something like Starship where you've got you know, maybe 150 tons capable to orbit um, and the ship can fly, is, is capable of, say, theoretically flying um, four times a day, but, but you know, they call it like 75% uptime, so theoretical three times a day uh, 365 days a year, so that's like about a thousand flights a year um, for the ship. The, the booster can do a lot more than that. Um, this is obviously max theoretical, um, and you've got, you know, 150 tons. That's sort of 150,000 tons to orbit per year per ship. Um, and if you've got say 10 ships. Uh, you would have a hundred and you know, one and a half million tons to orbit per year. Um, Twenty ships, you got three million tons to orbit a year. I think the total rest of world capacity, if you take all rockets on Earth, including Falcon, the total capacity to orbit, I think, is around two to three hundred tons currently. Total Earth capacity to orbit is about two to three hundred tons if all rockets launched at max rate. Um, so we're talking about something that is, w w with, with a fleet of starships, a thousand times more than all Earth capacity combined. All, all other rockets combined would be 0.1%, including ours. But you kind of need that if you're going to build a city on Mars, so it's got to be done. Mr. Musk, who is well known for his aggressive scheduling, said, quote, this is going to sound totally nuts, but I think we want to try to reach orbit in less than six months. Provided the rate of design and improvement and manufacturing improvement continues to be exponential, I think that that's, an, that's accurate within a few months, end quote. While the scheduling often slips, eventually he does tend to deliver. Wow. This is happening. It's happening. It's, really it's, happening. it's probably not happening in six months, I, but it's happening. Could be a year to a year and a half. Right. Within so. a few months of six months. Yeah, yeah. Which <laughs> That's could his cushion. 18 months of six months. Yeah. But anyhow, yeah. the fact that it's reusable, the fact, you know what? I love that. that oh, yeah. yeah. That speaks to me like to i don't i don't even like using reusable water bottles like i don't want a spaceship the to disposable go, ones yeah, yeah or that's what yeah. i mean the disposable yeah. ones <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So I just I like that it'll be able to safely, I assume, mm-hmm. land in a in a controlled manner and be yeah. reused. Well, that's it. And and totally. and when you think about what's going to be necessary in order to, uh-huh. uh, this is sci-fi. Like that really we're actually is. we're talking about this in reality. I'm thinking, in order to um, to place people on Mars. Yeah. Or to colonate the moon. It seems so like, far away. Like, this is away. reality now. Yeah. Now, there's one question, though. Will there be a frequent flyer program yeah. that you can get miles? <laughs> but no, it's, it's, it's really exciting. I'm actually really more excited, mainly because I love Earth, but I'm more excited for the fact that travel around Earth. Like, to sure, go, yeah. that would be so fast. I'd love to visit yeah. Australia in about a half hour. Exactly. <laughs> you know, Be back for lunch, you know, yeah. and go to yeah. Britain for dinner. Well, you're a pilot, so you kind of have that sense I'm, because... I'm, I'm just w- watching for that little notum, so like when the airspace is closed for this, I'm going to be like, <laughs> yeah, that, there goes Elon again, he's at it again. But I, I see your flight plans, though, and I think, man, that would have taken me six hours, and you just fly somewhere have lunch and fly back i know now it's just like yeah we're going to mars and that's that's how like it's just going to be reality at one point i mean it's not going to be in six hours but or six months yeah but that's actually going to happen in like a few hours don't mind or an hour wow an injured tortoise who lost its shell in a fire became the world's first recipient of a 3d printed shell when it comes to animals who are vulnerable in a forest fire, tortoises probably aren't the first to come to mind. However, they've been among the many victims of a fire in Brazil. One of the turtles who was injured in the brush fires was in desperate need of medical attention. They call him Freddy. He was badly burned and his shell was actually destroyed from the fire. Turtles depend on their shells, so Freddy not having his was a big problem. A group of veterinarians, a dental surgeon, and a designer had only recently formed a group called the Animal Avengers that help animals who have been struck by tragedy. Freddie was their first patient and has been saved through the innovative use of technology. Freddie now lives at the home of one of the veterinarians who helped with the prosthetic. That's so neat. I actually really picture that as they save more and more animals... They're just going to adopt them as they save them. So, yeah. like, <laughs> really, the, this veterinarian and the dental surgeon and everybody, they're just all going to have this random, like, group they're of They're going to open animals. a zoo of 3D <laughs> printed animals. Yeah. So cool. I love it. When oh. tech uh, comes into play to, like, save animals and the Absolutely. earth. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Anytime, like, uh, I love tech stories where, like, our, our human life is helped or yes. improved mm-hmm. and to, to think that they're doing things for animals as well. I think that's yeah. so super cool. Uh, we've got to take a real quick look at the crypto report, if we may, just to okay. get a look at where things stand on the cryptocurrency market as of 1800 hours Eastern time on Wednesday, October 2nd, 2019. Bitcoin dropped about $362 US over the past week. Wow. Uh, very volatile, and we're not really sure where it's going. It's down at $8,261.54 US uh, this week. Facebook Libra, still not uh, not trading. Super steady. Yep, yep. <laughs> at zero. Uh, Litecoin is uh, holding fairly steady. It's down a little bit at 55.68 US. Ethereum is at $177.53 US. Monero is losing a little bit at 55.82. And the two that are holding real steady are the ones that are, it looks like the microcoin market is just 
holding where it is yeah. it's not really fluctuating at the like at the satoshi level at all mm-hmm. um we're looking at uh, scala this week again at 0.33 ten thousandths of a cent and turtle coin at 0.24 remember if you're going to invest or um, have any involvement in the cryptocurrency market it's always open and it's always volatile it's 24 7 so uh things could flip on their heads overnight and through the night so when you invest make sure that you invest only what you can afford to lose. Mm-hmm. Big thanks to Rory W. Nash and our community of viewers for submitting stories to us this week. Thanks for watching the Category5.tv newsroom. Don't forget to like and subscribe for all your tech news with a slight Linux bias. And for more free content, be sure to check out our website. From the Category5.tv newsroom, I'm Sasha Rickman. And I'm Robbie Ferguson. And I'm Henry Bailey Brown. We've got to take a really quick break. Stick around. Well, thanks for joining us this week. I hope you've enjoyed the show. That's all the time that we have now next week. It's all about the Orville. But this time around, I don't want you to get secondhand information. So the Orville editor and associate producer, Tom Costatino, is going to be here. Uh, Also, uh, along with visual effects producer, Brooke Noska, and senior concept designer, Lex Kassar. They're all going to be here. Join us for an exclusive glimpse behind the scenes of what's going on at the Orville as the cast and crew are preparing to begin shooting season three in just two weeks' time. We'll see you next week. Take care, everybody. (laughs) 